0: Hello, and welcome to season two of an unconventional guide to success. Scott and I are excited for this season and hope you will truly enjoy our incredible lineup of guests who will share their stories and help us as we continue to explore concepts and discuss real life examples, showing that the path isn't linear and that the journey to success is self defined. My name is Linda Missigaitis.
1: And I'm Scott Montgomery.
0: And we will be your guides. We have our um, our guest here with us, Nick Nick is a gifted speaker, thought leader, coach, and facilitator. He's the author of best-selling government innovation book, *Sustainovation: uh, Building Sustainable Innovation in Government One Wildly Creative Idea at a Time*. Uh, And Nick spent about 15 years pioneering in government, and was most recently as a Chief Information Officer. He's won three national innovation awards and founded one of the first five government innovation offices in the country, which is really quite impressive because Nick was doing this at a time when, um, when innovation really wasn't even uh, the catchphrase. Um, and so today, innovation is definitely more of a catchphrase. We hear it more and more. But when Nick started, he was definitely a trailblazer. But um, but during his government career, Nick directed 17 different divisions and developed over 65 unique or first-of-their-kind pilot projects, all while generally Generating 7.8 million dollars in savings, which for any of us who've worked in government can truly appreciate how big that is. Um, uh, Nick is now an inspirational keynote speaker and trains across the country on adopting or adapting to change, building innovation, and developing high performance operations. Um, and Nick's also done a few TEDx's as well. So you have to check it out. Um, he has one out there on Life 2.0, which hopefully he'll share a little bit with all of you today. So welcome to the studio with us here today, Nick.
2: Linda, Scott, thank you for the honor of joining you today. I'm excited to to chat with you all. It's going to be fun.
0: Well, great. Well, we are super excited. Um, Scott, I don't know, should we start out with just an easy question and maybe ask Nick, like, uh, if you could live anywhere in the world, uh, where would it be?
1: No, I think we should stall on that. And I think we should find out more about his book, Sustainovation. Right. I've never heard that word before. So let's unpack that just for yeah. a minute, if you don't mind, Nick. Sustainovation, uh, you yeah. he wrote a book about it.
2: <laughs> I, I did, you know, for me, Scott, I'm a big fan of Sniglets, which are any word that should be in the dictionary, but isn't. Sustainovation is yeah. a word that I trademarked, um, you know, and I believe in <laughs> I love the it. power of making up your own words. So. <laughs> That's awesome. What's the book about? Yeah, So the book is about how we build, uh, you know, sustainable innovation into local government and what we can do. And basically it translates well into any large bureaucracy. But uh, but the general principles are how we can get creative and how we can become better at implementing, Um, because the truth is the creativity is trained out of most of us through the course of our lives. And it's not a highly valued skill. It's highly sought after, though. Um, and then the other part of it is we've got to learn to be better implementers we've got to go out there and actually make it happen i imagine many folks in the audience have have had the million dollar idea but they're not millionaires
0: yes really great point, you know because
2: somebody else did it and that's what we got to get good at is actually going out and making it happen so it's it's how we do both of those things how we get creative and how we become better at implementing
1: well, that's incredible. And I I'm impressed by that. So I'm definitely I'm definitely intrigued. And you're absolutely right. And I think that's the premise of this podcast is to help people become better implementers. And you charting the path is is huge for all of us. So thank you for that. And then now, Linda, if you want to pepper him with some good questions. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Well, I think it's always good. Well, and since I'm in the vein of Scott not sticking to the script, um, that's okay. Um, What I know, that's okay. I love it. Um, that's what makes podcasting fun. Um, So, Nick, what what would be really great, though, is that, you know, similar, Scott had um, a life event that caused him, that triggered him to write uh, the book, How Did You Get Here? And and part of that was the passing of his brother. And that was kind of like a triggering event for him to say, hmm, I want to reevaluate some things. You also had a triggering event that um, that really kind of set your life on a completely different course. So would you be willing to share with uh, with our audience a little bit about kind of how did you get here and what, what caused you to take such a, you know, you took a pretty major turn in your career and the path that you were originally on, so...
2: I did, Linda. And, and uh, you know, Scott, sorry to hear about your brother. I lost my younger brother a couple of years ago as well. And it's not easy. Oh, and, wow. And it reaffirms no. and re reminds you what it is we're here to do. And the time that we're given is this great gift. Right. And, and that's one of those beautiful yeah. spaces is that we get to honor them th- through how we show up in this world. Um, prior to that, though, I also at 35 years old, um, I was dead on a table. Um, I. My heart oh, wow. stopped beating for over 20 seconds and, you know, was brought back to life. And I flatlined and, um, you know, and and I'll say this. I immediately ripped off all the stuff and went outside to my car and wrote down everything I can remember about the experience I had in that sort of afterlife experience. But, you know, what I like to talk about is the life after experience. And what do you do after you've died? Right. Um, you know, and that's why I talk about Life 2.0 and what it is we can do differently, and how I learned to live a different kind of life. And, you know, and I try and help others, I try and show up genuinely to help others live their best life too, uh, their best life 2.0, actually. Um, and, uh, I like it. You, you know, and so in that space, it was an incredibly scary, difficult time, you know, there was a lot of sleepless nights, I was an insomniac at the time, I was sleeping one to three hours a night for a couple of years. Um, you know, and, and as you can imagine, there's a lot that makes you rethink your life with nothing. But like the mocking TikTok of a distant clock to keep you company you know through the dark hours yeah. of the night and you start to evaluate where are you and and is this how i want to be remembered and that was really mm-hmm. the thought that kind of jumped into my head um so i developed something i call the tombstone test to help sort of guide guide myself through that you know what would be written on my tombstone yeah. if i were to die today and amazing you know the answer would have been he really busted his ass at work <laughs> and that's not what i want right yeah i know isn't that
0: what that's so many of us right is that that's how we have um especially those of us who have been been around a little bit we defined our whole world around our jobs our identity and um in this belief that somehow if we busted our asses every day at work that that was somehow going to mean something and i mean i think we all realize doesn't, um, and we're all replaceable. Um, but in the moment it it doesn't feel that way. And it's like, that's how we're defining ourselves. There's
2: so much that's been used to reinforce that mentality of the hustle culture inside of all of us, especially I'll say of certain generations, you know, I was actually in a really interesting discussion to, to kind of just tie in. And, and, uh, you know, I was, I was in this room, I was doing a workshop and, you know, one of the gentlemen was like, you know, this next generation, they just don't want to work. That was his statement. don't want to work right and and i and i and i said i want to hit the pause button here first of all that's what every generation has said about the generation before it by the way i'm like but let me clue you into something else here maybe this generation just understands the concept of work life balance Mm -hmm. and maybe they're not willing to go ahead and just give away all of their life in favor of work maybe they actually understand how to achieve work-life balance better than we do And that's what's frustrating to you is that you've been taught hustle culture is the way that we should live. And that's the right way to live life. And in fact, maybe what they recognize through the things that we've taught them as a generation ahead, maybe they realize Mm -hmm. that that's not the goal. And maybe all of us going through this pandemic also realized that's not the goal. Yeah. You know, I don't think you can roll back work-life balance Mm post-pandemic. People know it exists. Now, the only question is, do you have it? And yes. I would imagine most
0: people
1: say no, or even how do you integrate it, right? And yeah. so uh, Nick, not realizing we had so much in common, and I'm sorry about your brother as well. These these notions of why we're here for us, I really relate to the word legacy. What you're suggesting too, mm-hmm. right? What are we going to leave behind for the next generation to try and figure out how to build relationships, how to take care of yourself, and how to moderate that, mitigate that hustle culture that we've been so programmed in our generation to to live in. And I'm, I really admire what you're saying, because it's so in theme with what we're trying to accomplish in this podcast, too. And you're eloquent and you're spot on. So fascinating. I can't wait to unpack more about what life 2.0 could look like.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and so just kind of uh, just to kind of keep things a little light for a minute, I'm gonna go back to my question. If you could live anywhere in the world, Nick, <laughs> where would it be?
2: Um. I'll tell you what, I've got three places that I love, and Colorado's one of them, which yeah. I'm blessed enough to live in. I got here as soon as I could. I knew I wanted to be here at fourteen and and I think it's about the best that America has to offer. Now, if you're considering moving to Colorado, it's terrible. Absolutely, I, I
0: totally agree What everything Nick just said. Forget because Colorado's by far the worst state to live in. So,
1: no. <laughs> I hear that about Florida too. By the way, I've heard that about Florida. I think they're all flocking to Florida right now. So, yeah, Florida's a good place to yes, go. Right? Florida's
0: a good
2: place to go. <laughs> I, you know, the other thing is. Uh, in my household, we bought land in Costa Rica as well. And so we're really tied into the Costa Rican message. And we really believe what that, what that amazing country has done. And then uh, my favorite place on the planet is actually New Zealand.
0: Um, I had the
2: privilege of visiting there and it's just so much of what I love, uh, all in one place. It's like, California meets Colorado on steroids, and it's just fantastic.
0: Interesting. Uh, New oh, Zealand's cool. on my list. Uh, Costa Rica is also one of our favorite places. We actually just got back. We were just in Costa Rica. We go. Oh. We've been going every year for the last several years. We just were up in Liberia, um, first time up okay. there. We did, wanted to go and check out a different part. But agree with you. The whole Puerto Vida uh, way of life. It's just a. It's a slower, um, more appreciative um, approach to to life and just embracing what is, um, you know, not everything is not about uh fast pace and where are you going and what are you going to do? And so, um, so that's, that's fascinating. It's, it's always amazing as you get to have the opportunity to talk with people to Scott's point, how much you learn about one another and how much you have in common with, uh, with different individuals. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's amazing. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. So New Zealand's on my bucket list too, though, for sure. But yeah, um, So Nick, if you think a little bit about like one of the things that Scott talks about in the book, and one of the things that he and I have focused a lot on is around relationships and partnerships. And in your, you know, kind of life 2.0 and what you've done with Sustainovation, I would imagine that that had to have been a really critical component to how you've been able to go um, down a path of starting your own business, because being an entrepreneur is such a different mindset than the security of working in a job with an employer. Um, you know, might be false security, but there is still security in in that. But can you talk a little bit about, you know, the relationship and partnerships and how that's important to you and why those are important?
2: Yeah, it's it's such a great point, you know, and it's such. And I think it's one of those things that you start to I mean, for me, at least it was somewhat unintentional. And then it became more intentional. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so many of the relationships I formed, you know, throughout my early part of the successes of my career were centered around what a concept I call team us, which is that which unites us is greater than that which divides us. And I believe that in my heart. And And my philosophy is, what can I do to help you accomplish what you're looking to accomplish and giving it away for free and trusting that the universe will allow it to come back to me? And, and you know, I, I'm one of those people who, you know, people are like, do you have a contract that we need to sign? No, I'm actually a handshake deal guy because I believe there's value in that. And you know, if you want to hose me, fine, you right. know, that'll come back to you in the form of karma someday in some other way, you know, Absolutely. Um, you know, so for me, it was just recognizing that my greatest purpose is to help others achieve their passion, their purpose. And in terms of giving that away, it created, you know, unintentionally, a lot of sort of deep loyalty um, where people turned around and said, how can I help you, Nick? Like, and again, you know, when you're starting out and you write a book and you're, jump, you know, you're stepping out on your own. Literally the same week I got married, I quit my job. You know, how about that one for a, my wife's got some guts <laughs> with me, you know? yeah, Poor she wife. Does. yeah, Yeah, absolutely. right. <laughs> you know, and, and of course, you know, the in-laws, right? Right. right. Oh, yeah. What, right. Yeah. yeah. what were you thinking? What you married, so, married so, into? Really
0: to annul this, so. <laughs> you know, that's right. This is my super unemployed <laughs> son-in-law, right? Um, so, you know,
2: it, it takes, it takes an immense that's amount of courage and, and you don't always know. it. And that's the other part about the entrepreneurial spirit, which is, being okay with the unknown is part of the power or the superpower that we need to have. And, and, and in this space, what we rely on are the relationships that we have built through time and the way that we've created value for others. And we hope that that comes back to us and helps create value for us later. Um, As it turns out, it did in my case, and I'm very blessed and and very appreciative to all the people who have gotten my back and partnered along the way, you know? Um, But, you know, early on there were, Individuals who were mentors of mine who are willing to step in and recommend me to folks. All of my business, I do not advertise at all. All of my business is word of mouth. It's simply the trust of one government to another government or one organization to another organization. And that's my entire career at this point has been built off of that. Um, and so it's incredibly valuable. It is how I do my business now um, is straight up off relationships. That's fantastic,
1: Nick. And you know, as a small business owner myself, I, I have found, and that's why we ended up talking about that in my book and in the podcast series one, relationships and partnerships are key to the success of that. And you can't thank them. And I know you get that enough for that word of mouth and the support and the mentoring and the back office conversations that get you through and put that foot in front of the other that keep you motivated. Have you ever gotten involved in a, a leadership coach or any kind of coaching uh, service? Have you added any of that to your portfolio of, of relationships and, and people? Because I have found that super valuable too. They, they bring a different perspective. And I wondered if you had any of that too. So,
2: so here's where I get a little weird, Scott, um, but I'll say, no, um, I, don't, I don't have leadership coaches that I use. I am asked very regularly Will you be an executive coach and will you do coaching? And I tell people, no, I don't do coaching. I do mentoring because coaching costs money. And I'm not going to ask you to pay me to teach my life wisdom to you. I just want to help you if you are about helping yourself. So I'm usually mentoring myself between anywhere between five and 15 people across the country, depending on in various stages of their work life. Um, Yep. But I try and be careful about that concept of coaching because I I don't want to pay somebody for their wisdom. And I'm happy to offer not, a line for um, free, you know?
1: Yeah, and mentor, mentoring and coaching are two very different things. And I think from a coaching perspective, a leadership coach is trained to hold a conversation of self-discovery. Right. It's not a mentoring conversation. It's not an imposition of skill. It's not, um, it's not uh, consulting. And so there's a fine line there. And I think oftentimes people do assume coaching is some sort of a consultant mentorship, but really coaching... Um, And the way that I refer to it is when someone actually holds a structured conversation they've been trained to help you hold, and they walk you through a certain scenario that's a proven study, if you will, on how self-discovery can really help you become what you're talking you already are, which is fascinating. So for me, uh, coaching really was a value add. And then I also had my mentors, and I also paid for consultants. (laughs) So it's amazing. Um, And and it's wonderful that you want to give away what you've experienced. And I feel that as well. I think that's really important that we pay it forward for the next generation. So I just wondered if you had 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 that experience. And well, yeah. so Scott, yeah. I'm
2: actually, interestingly enough, I was invited to a men's group that are all men's leadership coaches, because the space is predominantly dominated by women. And so it's a men's life coaching group. And I'm the only non-life coach member of this, but you know, they're constantly <laughs> practicing their skills on me. So it's really fun. Yeah. yeah you know, you know, Nick, have you explored perhaps <laughs> the framework, you know? And it's like, it's like, I haven't. Sounds good, boys. You know, like uh so you will say that I, I have many great life coaches that I'm friends with that are also uh people who I've had the chance to interact with and and see how they yeah. create this value and and show up. And and, and, I'll, and I'll say this. All incredibly genuine, incredibly excellent coaches. Um, just not yeah. a direct experience that I've had uh, outside of that. Yeah, which is fascinating. Yeah, right
1: yeah. I think that's crazy. well. Give me the number because I'm looking for any kind of life coach I can yeah. get my hands on. <laughs> so if you could make sure after this we Absolutely. connect. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and <laughs>
0: you know, Nick, along those same lines, that that kind of makes me think about then. Um, for as you were talking about the relationship and the partnership and, and the people that you met along the way and who have helped you. One of the things that I think is always interesting, especially maybe to the younger generation is um, there's this belief that there's um, sincerity and uh, genuine relationships through social media platforms. And I'm a big believer They are not um, genuine relationships. They are just people, right, that you're connected to. Now, I definitely believe in the power of social media, but I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your thought around more of that genuine connection, that genuine relationship partnership, and how you have to make those. Because I I think that that's part of what happens so much these days with um, this whole, like, um, social media influencer and um, this you know we're gonna make money by telling everybody to wear this shirt or to do those sorts of things and that we that when um when you're not maybe mentally or emotionally prepared for the rejection that also comes with that because there isn't that genuine sincere relationship partnership could you talk a little bit about that because what you described to me is like you were able to really, leverage, um, this, this long um, litany of people that you had met along the path who saw something in you, believed in you, and have been willing to give you a hand up. And in return, you have now helped other people by giving them a hand up as well. That's a much different environment than I think young people are maybe living in today, um, because I don't think many of them have gained the advantage yet of developing those partnerships and relationships.
2: You know, such an interesting dynamic to explore, Linda. Truly, you know, I mean, uh, between 2011 and 2017, uh, what was it? 1,200 people died from taking selfies. You know, that's a form of death that did not literally right.
0: exist. How crazy is that? Mode. Right? Wow. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> I did not know that stat. Yeah, it's, it's that's crazy, it's fascinating, and I'm, and I'm somewhere in the ballpark. It's like 1,200 something, but yeah. yeah, sure. You know, still. Why? Still, it's, it's kind of mind boggling. You know, it's what can you do for the shares? What can you do for the likes? Right. But it's also comparing somebody's highlight reel to your background program. And it's an unfair comparison when you're looking at these things. Right. And so I'll say that I learned this lesson prior to social media really becoming important and then applied it to social media going forward. Um, the only platform that I truly engage on on a regular basis is LinkedIn
0: yeah.
2: for professional purposes, because I have a message that I try to share there. And yep. that's how I cultivate my business relationships and provide the wisdom that I have to share.
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: Instagram, I use that as well, but I use it because I'm a photographer and I like sharing pretty pictures of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
2: that's just it. Yeah. If yeah. you like pretty pictures, that's what I put out there and I'm not <laughs> doing it for anything. I don't care about the likes I just want to have a catalog of the beautiful things I've seen in the world Yes. so that my family and friends can see those beautiful things as well. It's not bragging. Mm -mm. I don't do it for any of that stuff. That's not what I'm doing it for. For me, my memory is terrible. And photographs are the way that I remember important moments in my life. So that's my way of sharing it, if you will. Um, But in this space, the lesson I actually learned prior to that, which applies, I think, very well to the social media framework was... When I left the city of Colorado Springs, mind you, this is post post dying. And I was, you know, I'll say an important person in town. Most people knew who I was. I was very well recognized around town. And most people like to say that they knew me. Sure. Yeah. So they like to say that they knew me. Right. And, And my going away party, you know, 400 people showed up to it. So it was a massive event. And then there was the next day when I wasn't important anymore.
0: Right. I didn't
2: have public works director as my title. I wasn't the chief innovation officer. I, I didn't have value to others in the way that they wanted me to have value. And I learned that there's these different circles that sort of exist. There's this space of people who are happy to know of you and have some link or tie to you, but they don't really have any vested interest in your success. They have a vested interest in saying that they know you and that's about it. Yeah. You know, I'm connected with Linda. Oh, are you connected with Linda? Yeah, yeah, I follow her. You know, those kinds of things. And so there was this outer circle, if you will. And then there was a circle that was sort of inside of that, where it was people who had a genuine interest or you genuinely impacted their lives. And that was a different circle. And then there was this core group of people who were, hey man, what's next for you? Can I help you with anything? What, you know, they were actively seeking me out to help me on what was next. So there was like these three layers of sort of like, I like the idea of Nick. Yeah. I put him on a pedestal. And guess what? When I didn't have value to them, they disappeared. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think that's what we do in this culture as well, is we love a hero up and until they become a villain.
0: Yes. And
2: we love that story, don't we?
0: Yes, we so do. So it's like
2: your yeah. influencing ability is up and until you mess up, in which case everybody's happy to pile on. And that larger circle has no interest in your long-term success or happiness, quite frankly. When you go down to that next circle, yeah, there's probably some level of interest in your success and happiness. And then there's this closer circle of folks that are, you know, genuine personal relationships that have an interest in helping you be the best you that you possibly can. And those are the people that will show up for you no matter what. And they're the partners. They're the people who have shown up for me consistently through my life when I had nothing to offer them except me.
0: I love that. Right. Gosh, that that was really powerful, Nick. And I, I think that really summed things up nicely. Don't you think, Scott? I mean, 100%. I just think like, just what a great way to to think about relationships and partnerships in those three circles. And um, I, I really liked that a lot.
1: Yeah. And it's important for people. It's nice of you to share it for our group too, because that's what people need to start to recognize is, you know, the, the level of relationship that they're in doesn't create value for themselves. They need to be able to recognize how to put that in the system. And I've got three young kids that are using Instagram and social media and all that. And it's a constant battle of, you know, you don't know half those people, but because you're all doing it, they're not your friends, you know, and teaching that balance is really, you put that together nicely. Thank you for that.
0: Nick, thinking about what, um, you know, life 2.0 for you, for sure. I'm guessing that you have probably also instituted a lot of various kind of goals and habits and self-care that um, that you probably focus on um, if for no other reason than health. But um, but I'm guessing that a lot of that factors in. But talk a little bit about your morning routine, because I know that you have something special that you do around, you know, kind of uh, uh, sunsets and sunrises as well. So maybe talk a little bit about what, what does a morning routine for Nick look like?
2: <laughs> uh, you know, to the extent that one exists with a five-year-old. Uh, I'll say, you know,
0: <laughs> yes, I'm well um, outside of this. You you met my baby, so um, yeah, I'm well outside of that that time frame. So, <laughs> uh,
2: you know, I'll say this: uh, one of the things I love to do, and I've been doing this since 2014, was was watch 300 sunrises or sunsets a year, and that's something I've been doing since 2014. This last year, I actually wasn't able to do it, unfortunately, um, but every other year, I've managed to do it, and. You know, for me, what I've learned is the sunrise is about, you know, is about hope, hope for a new day. No matter how dark the night was, you can decide whatever you want today to be. And if you put your head there, that's what the sunrise, that's what I see when I see the sunrises. I just see the choice of hope in this day and what I want it to be and how I intend to show up today and just allow that for five minutes to fill my heart up. And then I'm able to go ahead and wash away whatever the night you know, the night would bring, if you will, because um, it can get dark, especially when you're in a hard place or in a depressed place. Mm. Nights can be very difficult. Yeah. Um, and so the sunrise is that moment of hope and then uh, sunsets, of course, also as well. Um, and that's a moment of reflection through the day where we allow the good, the bad, and the ugly to kind of wash over us. We allow the hard things to have their moments, but also the celebrations that we weren't able to have because we just had to do the next thing. Right. And there's so many great moments in our lives that we don't get to celebrate with ourselves. And it's like this massive accomplishment. You spent months working on it. And everybody's like, hey, great job, Scott. Thanks for doing that, you know. And then on to the next. Right. And, and it meant something more to you. And you sure. got to take those moments to let that happen, too. But the hard moments, I find you don't have to carry it around as baggage anymore. Yeah. If you take that time every yeah. day and just let the hard things have their moments, because that's life. Right. You know that's it that's part of the human condition and experience and uh so for me sunrises in the morning are a big part of of, of my routine um now it is it is you know the 5 30 to 6 a.m wake up call with the five-year-old who, who comes out with me and has come out with me many times we watch the sunrise together he used to come out with me when i would photograph it and we'd go to the lakes and photograph it in the morning and oh. he'd come along for the ride so um, I try and do that. And then the rest of the morning involves something with coffee. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
0: yes, yes. We well, all was, need that coffee for sure. <laughs> and I was wondering I was
1: wondering if we can go to your Instagram page and see all these great sun sunrises and sunsets. So it sounds like we can. Yeah. And you know, absolutely. And, and you know, I'd like to expand on just one one other thing you you noted in there, and that and there's truth to that. When someone's going through something difficult, one of the things that I've learned, um, you know, in my brother's passing was fighting the grief of that or letting it atriculate in are two very different approaches and fighting it is much much harder so letting it atriculate in and taking that time and honing in on on that experience I wanted to expand a little bit for for our listeners because that's really, um, Something I didn't learn is, you know, I'm a 53-year-old man with three kids and I've been through a lot. I've got companies and I'm going to, but when you really hit home with someone you're close with or a death or something super serious like that, I had no idea letting it attriculate in is part of the process, to your point. And spending those five minutes every morning and every day is exactly what I did when I realized I needed to make that part of the new you, right? And so you sharing that and me expanding on that is exactly why we're together today, because I think it's really important for someone to maybe hear that and pay attention to that before they have to, which is where I was a few years ago, which is probably where you were when you figured it out, too. But I really appreciate you saying that. And I did want to expand on that. But yeah, I can't wait to go to your Instagram page and see some of these sunrises and sunsets. see, social media has value. That's right.
2: It it does in the space of that, you know. And I'll say that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that one. I love the word articulate, which never gets used very often, and I appreciate you using it. Um, You know, but but to your point though too, it is okay for us to have these moments, and we don't give ourselves the permission to do that, and that's not okay. Mm -hmm. We're taught that that's not okay—that you should bury it or hold on to it, or you know. And now it's become, I'll say, more socially acceptable to do this. You know, I'm not okay. Is okay. Mental health. You know, yeah. and it's it's there now, like culturally, we're having a moment and awakening of this sort of thing. But that doesn't help us either, Mm-mm. necessarily. The fact that when somebody says that, that's great, but it still doesn't end my pain. Exactly. Right. And yeah. the part that I feel with grief is also, you know, the beauty and the joy that I appreciated their life.
0: Yes. And
2: that's not a bad thing. That's just a heart thing. And if you give it that, you know, then you can actually enjoy and experience those things as well about the people that you've loved and lost and, and even just the hard things in your day, we don't give ourselves permission to just have bad feelings.
0: Yes. It's so true. Embrace,
1: embrace, embrace the things that are keeping you up at night. will allow you to sleep through them the next.
0: Right. Well, and I think too, what's important is a balance and all that too. Right. Because I think that, um, what has happened with us becoming, and I'm so glad we are um, becoming more widely, um, accepting of mental health and that it exists and dealing with grief and um, and hard things is is a real thing that we do need to do I mean I certainly grew up in the generation with parents where we did not talk about things, and we swept everything out of the carpet. You know, everything was good, um, and you certainly did not talk to um, therapists or even strangers about anything um, that was happening in your family. Um, however, I also think, though, that by the level of acceptance, we have to find where is the middle ground in all of this, because I also think that what is happening is that because we have such a much more accepted perspective of these things it allows us sometimes to wallow um, in that um, that area as well and in almost becomes the excuse then for why we can't move forward and you know life is hard and and i have all of these things there's got to be the balance between the two right so i think the level of acceptance and and being able to talk about things is so critical but then there's the other side of that is then how do i move on from that how do i and i think that again is where some of our, uh, well, really all generations, I don't want to pick on the younger generation, but I do think that we've seen such an increase in suicide um, over the last several years. And um, having had several of those in my own family, um, I can really appreciate the fact that it's, um, if you don't have a path, Forward, then you can get to a place where you just feel hopeless. And so, you know, what I love about this is that it's like, how do we find the balance in, in all of this and and um, and look for that path forward? So things like sunsets and sunrises help us, right? Because they're things that help us process and mm-hmm. and move things forward as well. So,
2: but and it's a limited time engagement. I do five minutes in the morning, Hi. five minutes in the evening. That's yeah. it. But that's usually enough to deal with whatever the daily stuff that yes. that continues to pile on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, again, larger grief, you know, can can manifest itself in lots of different ways. Absolutely. But I agree with you, Linda, you know, embrace the suck. The water's warm. Yes. Now let's go do some stuff yes. and make our lives awesome, Absolutely. you know, like. Because that's the way to go about and, it, you know? Like- and what a great
1: segue into the self-care part of the question she asked, right? I mean, imagine you're physically fit. imagine you're in a place where you're exercising and clearing your head and getting the endorphins going. And for me, peak I call that peak performance. So then if you're doing that, and I'm going to ask you, Nick, exactly what you're doing next. But if you're doing those activities and you're adding the sunsets and, you know, that's, that's really helping you get to a place where you're then working in peak performance around The moving forward we're starting to talk about right so what do you so do you have a peak performance plan for yourself like i i work out every morning six o'clock you'll find me at the gym you know and and that really clears my head and it's right after the sunset or it's during the sunset that i'm out on my run you know so i'm wondering what you're doing every day or every other day if anything
2: yeah i mean my you you know i'm i'm incredibly active i'll say that um you know i for me, fitness is about being able to do the activities I love as long as I want yeah. to That's yeah. how I look at the I fitness like that. routine that I engage in. So sometimes I'm lifting weights and yeah. running and jumping rope, but predominantly I'm a very active disc golfer. Okay, um, and I'm a skier. So for example, nice. this last Monday I took Monday off and I skied half the day, nice. ate barbecue, Perfect. and then went and played disc golf on a mountain disc golf. <laughs> day. Awesome. That's a that. day of all right. days, can right there.
0: Colorado, can you do that too? Uh, <laughs> That's a Colorado. <laughs> That's right, awesome. Colorado That's, day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, But for me, I love playing disc golf. I'll play that three to four times a week. I do do not care what the weather looks like. I'm all weather. And that's part of it as well. Um, But during the summer, I have been hiking the 14ers, which are the 14,000 foot mountains in Colorado, which is it engages both not only the physical part of you, but the mental part of you as well. And the beauty is just staggering. You know, I mean, wildflowers, you know, animals you would never see unless you have the courage to go hike a mountain in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) um so it engages all of me because every time i come down from a peak i learn a lesson um you know that's awesome that usually i'll reflect on in the next day in a linkedin (laughs) post or something like that or post a bunch of photos from but those are the ways that i sort of keep myself engaged And and when i don't do those things scott to your point when i disengage with those activities or i'm not doing that i'm not my best i don't feel my best i don't act my best Um, right So I'm very conscious about making that. Yeah. And my wife's very supportive in that, too. Yes. (laughs) Making that part of
0: the
1: routine. Yeah. Mine is, too. I I get that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, that's important. Um, you know, having that, uh, again, that goes back to just our whole conversation on partnerships and relationships that you're not always going to like all the same stuff either. Right. Um, you right. know, my husband does not enjoy hiking, um, like, uh, but, but I like to go on, on long walks. And so we can do those things separate. Like we don't have to do those things together. And, um, and he's very supportive yeah. of, of what I like to do. And similarly, he, and loves his cars and so you know he likes to spend time doing that and so um so it's a, it's all about balance right and I think that's kind of the message that we've had in this conversation it's really about how do you find that balance um What you know, Nick? Because you have such an interesting career now and what you're doing. What's one piece of advice that you would give someone who's like really kind of starting out in that type of a career? Because you know, you what you've done is built this amazing consulting side where you're going in and you're talking to um, to all these different organizations. A lot in government where change is very challenging um, in the first place. Um, But you're doing that. What's one piece of advice? Like if I if I'm a young person and I'm like, wow, I really love what Nick does. How would I possibly get started with doing something like that?
2: Never be afraid to get fired. I
0: like that. I like That'd that. be my
2: starting condition is never be afraid to get fired. This isn't my first venture. Um, I was bankrupted at 27 from my first venture, and we had a billion dollar idea that's now incorporated in a lot of different softwares. And we got our lights suit out by patent trolls. And, you know, when you're 28 years old and bankrupt and had a really successful idea, you know, it feels like you know, you feel the massive weight of failure, you know, and, you know, in government, there's all the incentives in the world to not do better. Yes. And to not innovate, right? The system is stacked against you. And if I had listened to the people who wanted to tell me what I should do, I would never be where I am.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Leadership is not something that you're given. I don't believe that. I think that if you're a leader, you go lead, whether they want you to or not.
0: I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Brilliant. You know, so so for me, I've got sort of this dragon energy. It's how I show up in the world or whatever. But it was also a space of like, you know what? Fire me. I'm good at what I do. I'll prove it to you. I'll generate results. I'll, I'll create effective teams. I'll build these cultures that you want. You just might not like how I do it. And I'm OK with that because yeah. maybe I don't like how you do it either. Yeah. You know, like, at no point was I ever sort of given over to the thought process that I am unequal to another.
0: I love yeah. that.
2: And I think that's something that when you're younger, you're encouraged to do, right? Once you bide yes. your time, you know, um, you know, just stay in your position, stay in your rank, do your work, put your head down and all that kind of stuff. Hey, there's some truth to that for sure. Yeah. Um, you got to learn stuff. Yes. You got to have some wisdom yeah. before you go out and act wise. Right. right. Um, <laughs> that's right. So you know, true. so don't, don't feel entitled. That's different, yeah. you know, than, than having the ability to learn new things and then not be daunted when others don't see the same things you see. Right. Yeah. Um, because if you listen to others, man, life will be
0: real boring. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's a. Great and maybe that's not great advice.
2: advice for everybody, but that's how I look. At
0: it, you know? I love it. It's your advice. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the dragon.
1: <laughs> the dragon energy yeah. thing is. A co- I'm going to coin that because <laughs> I relate to that too, Nick. And I think this whole entrepreneurial aspect of our of our personalities is 100% dragon energy, and those are the ones we're trying to tap into. To say also, in addition to the rest of the folks that we're trying to tap into, that you, you got to bide your time, but also bring that energy. You know, it's yes. yours, to, it's yours, not theirs. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely, I love it. Me
2: too. Awesome. I'm big on, you know, part of my success is generated from building pockets of positivity. I'm an inherently positive person. Yeah. yeah. And there's no shortage of times when I worked in government or in other jobs where people were like telling me about how bad their job was, how much their job sucked. And that. by the way, how much... <laughs> how much i think my job they they thought my job should suck and how disappointed i should be and it's like no you don't understand i love what i do yeah you do not have permission to rob that of me i love what i do if you don't love what you do that sounds like your problem right i like that but i'm big on building these pockets of positivity and then from there your job is to go out and obliterate the energy vampires
0: yeah yeah
2: you know, God. the people who suck the joy out of life, you're my enemy. You're my target, by the way, too. Yeah, I love um, it. I love it. You no longer have free reign to ruin other people's lives because in our personal lives, we can walk away. Yes. Yeah. If somebody is an energy vampire, you can walk away from them. If They're trying to steal the joy from your life. Yeah. You know, they may be in your family even, but you can still walk away. Absolutely. In work, it's the one place you can't. Right. Very true. Yes. So I'm not going to let you own my culture. I'm going to tell you how the culture works with me yeah. and I'm going to invite others in. And when you give people a choice between positivity and negativity, they'll choose positivity. They just usually don't get a choice. Very
0: true.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So valid. So So valid. So be that energy for them to your point, Scott, like be that big personality, be that person who's fun and not everybody's going to get it. That's right. But you know, you're not universally popular. You're not pizza or chocolate, nor will you ever be right No. So just go out there and be that, you know what I mean? And, and,
0: no, I yeah. love that. Oh, well. Hey, Nick, you know, we like to end our show with three questions. And so these are the three questions that uh that we're gonna pepper you with today. I'm mean, gonna use Scott's word pepper. Um okay. <laughs> what are three books you'd recommend to our um to our our audience and and why those three?
2: Uh well, you know, I was just gonna, I was just gonna yes. say that. <laughs> No, these are the softballs we were talking that's about. That's it. Well, exactly. well,
0: uh, there's
1: one over here you might want to talk about too. Let's <laughs> to say it. Hey,
0: now this is this is new. Please refer this to Scott the Scott
2: Spring, show. Uh, the Second book. <laughs> Keeping it easy for me. Thank you. Um, you, you know, that that's a tough one for me because I'm actually this is one of those areas where I'm actually fairly fixed in what I like. Um, okay. So I like I like books because I once I've read them. I know how they turn out. And it's one of the very few areas in my life where I really enjoy hearing the same story again oh, and again. I like that. So for me, it's not about acquiring different knowledges. It's about feeling comfort. And this is my way to feel comfort. So I listen to the same books over and over again. So for me, um, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien fan. Okay. So I love the Tolkien yeah. books. Um, and I like that he created a completely fictional world that has such amazing rich detail And I find that to be fascinating. You know, the fact that he invented languages and entire places and entire species gave them enough that it's not just a book, but it's, you know, it's an entire mythology. So I, I really enjoy that. Um, those books, um, (laughs) I enjoy the Harry Potter series as well. Um, mostly, you know, I just, I really like listening to them. I find it to be highly digestible. I understand, uh, you know, some of the, friction and pushback from that but i don't care i like that's, that's okay um,
0: that's what i love about you is so that you are who ones, you are yeah. yes yeah. no yeah, that's that's perfect that's exactly yeah. um it. um so what are three podcasts that you're listening to these days um and and would you recommend them and why
2: i don't listen to podcasts
0: okay all right
2: yep. why not so, um so this is a weird thing about my space too which is to say that you know one of the things i learned about my creative journey Is that for me? I don't love being, and I don't know how to put this, but especially being on a podcast right now, whatever. But I (laughs) guess that's all
0: right. That honesty is emerging, emerging, emerging storytelling. Call it that.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And I like that as a phrase better, actually, Scott. I really do. You know, for me, what I find with what I find with this is people will say to me, "Oh, what you're saying is just like so and so," Mm -hmm. but I've never read so and so. I didn't think the way that so and so thought. I like to keep my thoughts original and unique yeah. in my own mind. Oh, and I like find that. that when I listen to podcasts, it starts to influence my ability to generate unique thought, which is important to me personally. Yeah, And I start to maybe take on the thought processes and not that it's wrong. It yeah. certainly is great for a lot of different reasons. But for what I do, it can be very detrimental when somebody's like, oh, well, what you're quoting is that's a Brene Brown thing. No, it's not. It's a Nick Kittle thing. Brene yeah. Brown thought of it, too. We just think about it differently.
0: I right? like that. So.
2: For me, that's what I find is my mind gets influenced. Yeah, yeah. valid, And it can be very positive. It also just deters me from my own original thought processes, Mm -hmm. which leads me to my own original conclusions. And instead, I'll start to take in somebody else's thought process and start to adapt to that. And I don't like that for a variety of reasons, especially because I'm in the innovation space. I love it. Probably a terrible answer, but no, it's a good, no, no.
0: there are no, no. I think that's exactly what we're looking for, right? Is it's just what you said there is that um, that's the beauty of all of this is that we're not all the same and, uh, we don't want, uh, we're not trying to create a group think environment, right? Because I agree with you. I, I struggle with those things as well. The whole self-help and the books and that and I'll, you know, I kind of glance through those sorts of things and I'll take little nuggets of wisdom where I can find them. But, but similarly to you, I do find that what, if I get too engrossed in it, I do find myself losing myself in it all. Like, do I really believe that? Or do I believe it because, you know, Jay Shetty, who is one of these guys who I really love listening to on meditation. Um, Do am I just feeling that way? Because Jay said I should feel that way. So, um, so no, I, I love your honesty. That's exactly what, what we're hoping for in this, in this, uh, you know, what we're doing here. So no.
2: I can't wait to fail on your third question, Linda. This yeah, yeah. I, let me see. No, well, first, this one, hard, this like... one at least um, uh, puts <laughs> no, it didn't. back on
0: uh, you a little bit. On yeah, yeah. What's the uh, one question you wish that we'd asked you, and how would you have answered that question?
2: Wow, well, I you know I'd say, you know, what's your life motto? And uh, you know, for me, it's live the life you love and love the life you live. Um, like and, and I had that on a Yaga t-shirt from 1994. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. And it really has been the embodying principle for how I've tried to live my entire existence. Yeah. I remember that every single day. Love it. So um that's fantastic. Yeah, that'd probably be my thing. Is watch
0: right. My. Well, so you get you get one pass. So at least you know you answered one question in a really good way. So. Yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. You saved the podcast I, I, right if I there. Sweat if, <laughs> I Sweat through my clothes here. Like, this is, <laughs> I'm go take a shower. It's crazy. Oh my gosh, this has been so fun, Nick. Uh, thank you, I Nick. really, yeah. I know, I know Scott and I really enjoyed talking with you, and I got to know you even better. Um, you know, I've been following you for for a long time, and and following your your journey, and and just just watching and now I feel like I got to know know who Nick Kittle really is, not just who um, who I see on LinkedIn. And so I really appreciate you, you know, being on on our show today. Yeah, for and, sure. and I'll
1: I'll definitely reiterate that reiterate that sentiment. I had no idea how much we had in common, and I really appreciate how you want to share that message. Um, this is a platform we're experimenting with that we're putting a series together for, and we hope that others will sort of plug into the idea that it's thought provoking, not thought. Uh, you know in, in, we're not trying to tell people how to think we're trying to create opportunities so yeah. i think you've done a really nice job of sharing some 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 of that information and, and thank you very much for that it's Been fantastic really enjoyed it
2: i really appreciate the honor of being here and thank you linda it's great to get to know you more and scott great to get to know you as well and honestly i think the message and the platform that you're trying to put out here is really valuable to share with folks and i you know, I just I'm excited to see what season two looks like, because uh, yeah. I think you're on something here that's big. All oh, right. Thank you so
0: much, Nick. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of An Unconventional Guide to Success. If you want to learn more about Nick Kittle, you can follow him on LinkedIn. His profile is in the show notes. And to learn more about Sustainovation, or to ask Nick to keynote your next event, check out his website at www.sustainovation.us. An Unconventional Guide to Success is an inspirational, motivated series hosted by Scott Montgomery and Linda Misogadis, recorded on Riverside.fm. Music, editing, and production by Logan Misogadis check out Scott Montgomery's new book, How Did You Get Here?, and all the helpful related materials at www.howdidyougethere.com. Thank you for joining us on our journey. If you would like to reach out to us, our contact information is in the show notes.